Chapter Twenty Five of From Different Standpoints by Pansy and Fay Huntington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five, Eleanor to her mother, February blank. This is our wedding anniversary, as you may remember, though in that case you were more thoughtful than any one in this vicinity. Indeed, people here have time for only one thought and the topic which is so all-engrossing is, of course, Eunice Taylor. No other person has power to move the sluggish pulse of this quiet town. Miss Taylor is sick, has been for weeks, and it is almost amusing to see the interest which centers in that sick room. Every hour in the day we have bulletins telling of the patient's state, and as these do not vary greatly in their report, they cease to be of special interest seriously i suppose the girl is quite ill and i am not so much of a barbarian as to want to have her suffer but i can't help thinking that some good may grow out of this confinement if she were well we should have tom dawdling about and now i hope that he will get over his fancy before she gets well and there is likely to be plenty of time for the physician says she will not recover very speedily and now i suppose it is true that her sickness is the result of her too close attentions upon mother harrison they ought to have known better than to let a young girl take such a responsible position but some people will do almost anything and run almost any risk of health and life for money as usual my husband is very kind doing everything that can be done for the tailors and it is no more than right that he should I understand how he feels, for she was a faithful attendant, and did more for Mother Harrison than any stranger would have done, and of course he feels he owes her a debt of gratitude. If money could pay such debts, dear me, I wish it could, she would have been paid a hundred times over. I am glad that I have not such a grateful disposition. I should not like to be forever in one's debt. But so long as Perry feels that way, he will have to go on paying in installments. Well, as I said, this is our anniversary. Perry has not spoken of it, and I will not remind him of the fact, so I presume we shall spend the day like all other days. What a year this has been! I wonder if all the years to come will be like it. I never expected to settle down into this humdrum sort of life. It might suit some women, but it is not to my taste." I suppose that Eunice Taylor would have considered it the height of bliss to have lived in this aristocratic old house, and taken up the work which one might find to do here. On the whole, I don't know but it was a mistake that Perry did not marry her. I know she thinks so, and I know, too, that he has thought so. But of late he seems changed. If it were not for his conscience, we should get on splendidly. It used to be his health, but he has outgrown that. I believe he would risk his life for me. He seems to have forgotten that he ought to be careful. Actually, I have to be careful for him. But that conscience of his is a most inconvenient article to have about one. As for managing that, I have given up in despair. It is altogether beyond me." but mamma it is not a very pleasant thought for any woman that her husband in his utmost heart has felt that another should have had the place he has given her and though i believe that he is trying to put that other out of his heart and out of his thoughts 
sometimes i just hate them both and this is the worst of all that he should have forgotten what day this is you know that i never was sentimental over birthdays and all that but i believe in a proper notice of the first anniversary of one's marriage if only for the looks of it well i am going to ride so good-bye until after dinner later well mamma i shall have to take it back dear me i wonder if i shall have to take more things back i went to drive as i said drove over to see miss wilbur and came around by the river road so that it was past dinner hour when i reached home found perry waiting in the dining-room i am sorry you have been kept waiting i said just as coldly as i could speak for i had been nursing my indignation all the morning it is of no consequence he said i have only just come in i ran upstairs not because i cared about keeping him waiting but because my drive had given me an appetite but i did not come down quite as soon as i intended on my dressing-table lay a package addressed to my wife with two dates one a year ago and the other to-day he had not forgotten after all and that was why he sent thomas into the city last night and again this morning then i had to dress for dinner my driving costume would not do at all with such jewels as that box held i just wonder what the man did with his conscience when he spent such a sum for diamonds for his wife and mamma i have not seen such a look on his face for six months as he wore when i came down to dinner with them on now don't imagine that we rehearsed a scene nothing of the kind we are not of that sort he said simply how do you like them and i replied they are magnificent thank you and then we ate our dinner i suppose it would have been proper to have sentimentalized somewhat over the day we celebrate but we are neither of us hypocrites enough for that he wanted to please me and i was pleased and that is all there is about it and while i am so comfortable about tom i cannot help being happy i am sure i have all i wanted when i married perry harrison i never pretended to have married for love i wanted the name and position which he had to give and if he chose to fancy that his love with it was something to set that off why i never disputed him this congratulatory mood in regard to her brother continued until that march day when she was surprised by his reappearance in nassau she sat moodily looking over the last magazine when he returned from his call upon una she had been roused to a pitch of fury by seeing him turn his steps in that direction an hour before and had scolded perry as if he were to blame and finally driven him off to his room where he paced the floor not fighting the old battle over in that old struggle he had so far won the victory that he had ceased even in his secret heart to think of the past as a mistake and to mourn over it all the ruins of the past were but a foundation upon which to build anew and the earnest wrestling prayers of the present were for his wife daily he submitted himself before the lord that his faith might rise to take hold of that infinite love which he longed to have encircle her it seemed to him that morning that she was farther than ever away from god and from him seldom had she been so bitter and sarcastic in her remarks never had his patience been more tried 
never had he come so near utter despair and with her taunting and even insulting remarks ringing in his ears he could only take his position squarely upon the promises and resting in the certainty of their fulfilment wait god's own time which was nearer than he in his most exalted moments dared to hope eleanor's mood was not improved by what she was able to draw from tom as he passed through the sitting-room well she said so you have come back i began to think that you were going to spend the day did you and miss taylor settle the destiny of nations not exactly he replied we were only interested in individual destinies he was passing through to the next room but she recalled him tom it is no secret but you may not be aware that eunice taylor was and is yet for aught i know in love with my husband and that her illness is in a great measure owing to her disappointment of course it is just as well to put it that she was all worn out from the cares of last summer but we all understand it now if you want to marry her you may i have told you the truth i presume however it will be all the same to you i don't pretend to understand the code of morals which you and perry and some other people have adopted thank you said tom his face flushing then paling your warning comes too late i do not need any information as to miss taylor's past history and please to understand eleanor that disparaging or insulting remarks about her will be considered as personal and another thing do i beg of you take care how you speak lightly of your husband's character even to your brother and he went out leaving eleanor angry and ashamed for once she was thoroughly ashamed she suddenly realized that it was no light thing to speak thus of her husband and however much he might endure from her spoken to him it was a different matter when she cast suspicion on him by talking to another she knew tom would not tell him but what if he had overheard some way all her plans and all her hopes as well seemed slipping away from her tom would marry eunice taylor that was evidently a settled matter in his own mind at least they were all linked together against her some way she felt shut out tom was positively cruel to her she could not see why he need be so cross he had not been at all as he used to be since eunice taylor went to new york of course she had prejudiced him against her it was a hard bitter lot but sometime she would have her revenge out of it tossing her book away she went upstairs reappearing an hour later in all the magnificence of her last new toilette perry she said at his door i am going to the city on the train if you choose to drive in for me this evening you will find me at mrs clark's otherwise i will come back at nine o'clock why isn't this a sudden start somewhat but what do you think will you come for me certainly unless something occurs to prevent i will be there at seven o'clock good-bye he looked after her with a longing wistful expression which did not escape tom's eyes as he stood by listening to the conversation unceremonious i declare he said laughing when i have only a couple of days to stay perry looked grave as he turned to resume the conversation which had been broken off 
he at least was enjoying his brother-in-law's visit they dined together and then went out to walk and talk and so passed the afternoon meantime eleanor was trying to get away from herself though she did not know that she walked rapidly down the hill to the depot and found herself too early by fifteen minutes it was not a pleasant place in which to wait that dingy little sitting-room but there seemed nothing better to do so she seated herself on one of the benches gathering her flounced train up out of the dust and prepared to endure the discomfort of the next quarter of an hour two girls were walking about the room with the unrest of girlhood eagerly picking up items which might interest them for the moment on a table in one corner was a quantity of papers and tracts and eleanor remembered just then that she had heard perry and eunice discussing the propriety of that arrangement and she had laughed at the idea and said that it was like all the rest of their plans pretty enough to talk about but of no practical value people who wanted that sort of reading would supply themselves and others would not be caught by that bait in their progress around the room the young girls came to this table and leaning over began reading snatches from the papers eleanor paid little attention to them indeed she was not conscious of listening at all nor did she know until afterward a single word that they said but when she was seated in the car these words flashed upon her she had heard them time and again but never did they come to her just as they did in that hour and years afterward she could hear that fresh young voice repeating thou art tried in the balances and art found wanting with a startling emphasis they came to her as if spoken by an invisible voice there was a whole sermon in the words and never in her life had she been so affected by any sermon tried in the balances suddenly all her past life seemed thrown into the descending scale which sunk lower and lower and alas she had nothing with which to balance it found wanting the words rung in her ears until it seemed as if they were borne on the wind she had been censuring others while her own life was an utter blank wanting overwhelmed by the thoughts which flooded her brain she was half a mind to take the up train and go back home from the first station but finally considering that she was nervous decided to go on i declare she said i stay cooped up so much that even this little trip has all unnerved me i shall be unfitted for going out at all at this rate reaching the city she first tried shopping as a remedy for her low spirits but some way silks and velvets had lost their attractions laces were only a vexatious puzzle and after making a few purchases she sought out her friend mrs clark hoping that in her cheery home she would be brightened up as she waited a few moments for that lady's appearance she said to herself my heart is as heavy as lead i don't see what is the matter with me i never was so troubled by anything as i am by that verse and i have heard it a thousand times dear me i wish i could forget it mrs clark was full of chatter about the things which usually interested eleanor but to-day she could not get rid of the weight which rested upon her heart presently callers came one lady was on her way to a religious meeting 
and full of eager interest in it you ought to go to the meetings she said to mrs clark they are wonderful i never heard such preaching yesterday afternoon the text was will a man rob god yet ye have robbed me but ye may say wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings and in the evening it was thou art tried and art found wanting eleanor started as if she had received an electric shock those words again how they followed her the lady went on you know mrs gage she has been a church member for years but this morning she came into the meeting and said that she had been led to look into her heart and life and she saw that tried by the word of god she was found wanting and it was now her purpose to give herself anew to christ in a full consecration as the talk went on eleanor felt as if she must stop her ears it was distracting to her she could not think connectedly and she wondered how she was to get through the afternoon and when her husband drove to the door an hour earlier than the appointed hour full of apologies for coming so early and explaining that there was likely to be a heavy storm she met him with exclamations of delight and would not listen to their hostess's urgent invitations to wait for an early tea no she whispered to perry i want to get home haven't you had a pleasant time he asked as they rode away no it was just horrid her tone was so strange that perry asked anxiously are you ill thank you i am perfectly well but i think i am stupid i guess i got chilled going down she replied your brother and i have had a good visit said perry i tell you eleanor tom is a wonderful christian well she replied almost petulantly it is well to have one in the family none of the rest of us make any pretensions to being remarkable in that line for my part i never saw the need of making a fuss over one's religion mine is good enough for me oh eleanor that was all he said in reply to her but there was a world of tender yearning in the tone and eleanor felt it and here was another thing that she could not get away from that was just the beginning of a fierce conflict in eleanor harrison's soul oh the restless weary tossings of days and nights that followed days and nights within which there was no rest no light found wanting why her life had been one continual nothingness she had absolutely nothing to put against the folly and dissipations of her life her envyings and hatreds and all the rest of the long array of sins which all at once stood out in all their ugliness of the fruits of the spirit what had she wherewith to prove her right to the christian name she bore she had been so secure in her religious profession and now thus suddenly to find it turning into a shrunken and lifeless thing with no weight and to have nothing to put in its place plunged her into despair turn which way she would she saw only condemnation written she could find no rest for her weary soul in vain she tried to occupy middle ground she could not bring herself to a full personal consecration to her mind that involved so much that was impossible and she tried to make compromises with her soul she would be more patient and gentle she began to realize how utterly selfish she was 
how unwilling she was to make sacrifices for others while demanding of them constant yielding to her wishes and she resolved to begin a life of unselfish devotion to others her husband first and then she would extend her loving ministrations to those around her but in vain she could not rid herself of the ringing sound of that word which followed her and thrust itself in and spoiled everything she undertook what was the use of doing anything if always there be something wanting what should be put in the balance it was one morning at prayers that it came to her in two words which perry read she did not remember the connection at all her ear caught the expression and suddenly it all rushed upon her that here was what she needed christ's righteousness with this to throw into the balance she would never be tried with that miserable result found wanting End of chapter 25